Welcome to Season 4 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini and I will be your host. The season will be unique as we will be hosting guests from around the world who have been dealing with the impact of the coronavirus on their ability to care for orthopedic patients. They will share with us their personal stories, what they have learned, and their most resourceful solutions. The hope is to promote a shared understanding of the challenges the epidemic is posing to musculoskeletal care and to highlight the ingenious solutions that have been devised by our creative colleagues and their institutions. The best ideas when shared are amplified in their impact and beget even better ideas. So let's start sharing. Welcome back to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, and uh, this is one in a series of talks that we'll be having with orthopedic surgeons on the front lines dealing with patients with COVID, and we are learning from them how they're managing the situation they're in and sharing any ideas and suggestions that we may glean from their experience. So today we're very fortunate to have uh, Luigi Zagra from Milan, and I'm going to let Luigi introduce himself and maybe tell us a little bit about what life was like in Milan maybe six months ago, the kind of practice that he runs, and kind of volume they're doing. So what was normal Milan look like to you, Luigi? And of course, I hope everyone's well with your family. Thank you, Stefano. I'm Luigi Zagra, as you introduced me. I am the head of the hip department in Istituto Ortopedico Galeazzi of Milan. My institute is the biggest in terms of number now in Italy for orthopedic surgery. It's an orthopedic center. It's located in Milan. Milan is the capital of Lombardia. Lombardia is the biggest region of Italy in the north where most of economic, industrial, commercial activity, including the very high-level health system. In Italy, we have a public health system. Everyone can have access to all the best type of services, but especially Lombardia and the north of Italy as very renowned and famous for their high-level capability of treatments, including orthopedic surgery. I am the head of the HIR department in my institute. I am also past president of the European and of the Italian HIP societies, so I have a lot of connection both in Italy and also abroad around Europe, and not only Europe. My department has a HIP department. We do mainly HIP surgery, but not only. We do also knee surgery, total knee, total hips, we are mainly focused on complex primaries and revisions. We do around 500 surgeries per year in my department. In the whole institute, it's about 4,000 joint replacements per year. We do, as I mentioned, the most severe and complex cases about all-around hip surgery. But something happened and changed in the last time in our situation. The whole region of Lombardia is 10 million. Milan is 1 million and a half. And in the last month, especially in this last month, we are facing this dramatic situation about COVID, about coronavirus. We are at the moment very close to the worst scenario in the world, much worse than in China. But I can tell you that uh, 50 kilometers from my house and from my hospital, there is probably the worst situation, which is the area of Bergamo and Brescia. In this area, in the last uh, one month and a half, one month, all the hospital has been converted to COVID 
patients. And now this wave is moving to Milan. Milan is now facing a very similar situation with a much higher population. So with hope now that all the restriction by the government can control a bit this epidemic situation because the situation in some hospital is really dramatic. My hospital as an orthopedic center in the last month stopped all the elective surgery. At the moment, one floor, even if we are just an orthopedic center, one floor is completely dedicated in agreement with the regional and national health authorities for COVID patients. The fifth floor, another floor where we have the intensive care and one big operating block is again completely dedicated for intensive care for COVID patients. That means that we are taking care of this patient if they are out of our competencies, usually. And then we have also to collect some trauma cases. We have not a big trauma, but we have femoral neck fractures, ankle fractures, leg fractures, and so on. So we treat this patient, so the trauma, both with two different ways, the COVID positive and the COVID negative, so with different operating theaters. But in all our region and now in all Italy, we have to reorganize completely in the last month our health system. Again, stopping elective surgery and doing just the emergencies. Of course, I have some patients at the moment they cannot wait. I have a couple of patients such as a severe loosening of the implant with a very painful patient, cases of infection they cannot wait. Some of these patients, we are allowed to do this. But the big challenge now is that it is so risky to go in an hospital or in a health and populated situation that even if they come just for the orthopedic problem, which can be more or less urgent, they can get the virus. And if they can get the virus at the moment, we are not able to control and to treat all the old patients. Nowadays, today is 22 of March, but we will see in the next days, we have 5,500 deaths in Italy. 3,500 is in my region, Lombardia, and numbers are increasing every day. They are mainly old people, but we know that we have this big challenge at this present moment because the most severe orthopedic cases, such as loosening infection, or I have another old man with a femoral nail that had cut off in the neck, these old patients that they need rapid surgery, they are the ones at high risk because they High-risk patient for the virus is the 80 years old man. For this type of patient, if they got the real disease, the respiratory stress, and they need intubation, probably there is no chance for them to survive. So now the big challenge is this. Who to treat, when to treat, how to treat, and to avoid any risk of contamination for this patient because if they get contaminated, we know that at the moment the chance of death is very, very high. So Luigi, this is frightening. So it sounds to me like you have uh, already segregated the COVID patients from non-COVID patients in the operating rooms. That should kept separate rooms. Yes, sure. I presume are you also keeping separate surgical teams, anesthesia teams, and sure, nursing sure. teams? The most important thing in this situation is flexibility. Flexibility from the nurses and especially from the doctors. You cannot say at this moment now in our hospital, oh, I am an orthopedic surgeon, that's not my duty. You have to support your colleagues. Some of them are doing 
a tremendous effort with the hours of work and they need to be supported. So we, not only in the hospital, but in all the area, because there was an agreement, there is a, a central leading of a task force which is leading all the situation centrally in all the region to know how to send this patient there or there. We are the hub for the orthopedic emergencies. But you know, the orthopedic emergencies are a small number. We identified at the regional level which are the orthopedic emergency, which is malignancy in oncology, risk of fracture if the oncology is not malignant, tendon lesions, severe loosening or dislocation of total joints, acute infection, on severe osteonecrosis with rapidly progressive osteoarthritis in very painful patients. We have identified this. They can come to our hospital like a hub. But again, the situation is so severe that we must be very careful because this patient, for example, if they stay in the hospital for some rehabilitation time, they can get the virus. So it's very dangerous to operate them. We have to think very, very carefully. To reduce the risk as much as possible, there is completely separate areas in the hospital. There is one area for the COVID patients, which are not, again, orthopedic patients, or they can be patients with a fracture, for example, whichever type of fracture it is, they are in a separate area, completely isolated now. And we have also to reorganize the second block. We have two main blocks of operating theaters. One block is now, as I mentioned before, dedicated to respiratory support. So where all the patients are with intubation, they are under the anesthesis direct control. The other orthopedic theater was divided half and half. In half part of this, the COVID positive patient with fractures are treated because we treat just them if they are positive. In the other one, there is a small place for this sort of orthopedic emergency completely separated for the COVID negative patients. But again, which is dangerous if you travel and you move around, you know that in Italy now, and especially in Metown, you are not allowed to go outside. There's no one is on the streets now. But you can go just for going for buying food. Policemen can stop you. You have to demonstrate you are going to go buy food. Or if I go to the hospital, I have a special paper certificate from my hospital that I can go from my home to hospital and back. Nothing more. So everything is, even if we're trying to control the epidemic situation as much as possible, there is this risk. So very, very careful and completely differentiate protocol and ways for the two patients. But again, we must be very, very careful. And as I mentioned before, some of my team are on duty and support the trauma guys that are doing most of the work now. So part, we don't do any more trauma routinely, but we are supporting the trauma team as orthopedic surgeons for the trauma emergency cases. But also we are doing some support as we can to the, the anesthetists to give uh, some uh, rest to them because of their long uh, duties on the patient that have severe respiratory problems. There are so many that you cannot imagine. I hope that this scenario will not go all around the world because I can tell you it's really impressive. I cannot think of something about this just two or three weeks ago. Right. Just you were telling me that you're aware of all this. You're, you're in leadership of the hospital. But you didn't believe it could be this bad until you actually saw it. Is that right? Sure. Sure. I can. When I spoke with my colleagues that uh, 
faced this situation before in the area that I mentioned in the south of the region, in the east of the region, the area of uh, Cremona, Crema, Lodi, Bergamo, Brescia, two, three weeks ago, I think, no, it's not possible that it comes. They are exaggerating, but they are not at the moment. All this wave of virus, patient with virus is moving. Now this, the authorities were so severe with the restriction that we hope that this restriction would work because we have no other chance to, because we all know that there is no care for this problem, for this virus. There is no care. You can just assist the respiratory problem. But when a patient went to a, an insufficiency and they go and they have intubation with the respiratory, they stay there if they survive, not less than 15 days. And in this way, they occupy one seat in the intensive care. And in our region, we had 750 places for intensive cares all around. Now that we develop the new, the new, the new, the new, we have 1,300 and they are full. Luigi, just real quick, that's, uh, you were telling me that you were building uh, the, the building temporary military hospitals outside these hospitals to manage these patients. But just to get back to the orthopedic piece of it, you were talking about yeah. the trauma work that the orthopedic surgeons are doing. Have you seen with the decrease in the people's ability to get outside, is the fracture rate and the yeah, injury sure. rates sure. must have sure. decreased a lot, yes? Sure, that's a good comment. This was also our comment at the beginning of the crisis of the problem because the regional authorities identified some hubs for trauma. So they say the polytrauma, three, four center in all the area, the big polytrauma. And then the orthopedic trauma, two, three abs. And when we are one of these, two, <laughs> three abs for minor trauma. So we are, we're all ready for this. But as a matter of fact, the number of fractures that are coming are not so many because people, the skiing season was stopped one month ago. You cannot do now any sport activity and there are no cars around. So the number of trauma decreased a lot. But of course, we have the old lady that they are alone at home. They cannot go out. They can fall in house, have a femoral neck fracture. They come. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have to take care of this patient. And we have to take care, as I mentioned before, we collect this patient in some centers for this, where the COVID is not zero, but at least less or half percent of the activity, like in my hospital, with a dedicated way to treat them and especially to prevent them from getting the virus. Because this, as I mentioned again, for these old patients with a fracture, femoral neck fracture, they are properly treated. And after that, they get the virus during the rehabilitation time. This is a big yeah. problem. But anyway, we separated the COVID patient from the others, and uh, we are separated operant theaters for this. So tell me, when it comes to discharge from the hospital, two things I want to ask you. One is you talk about certificates, and the other, you talk about physical therapy. Yeah. So the certificate that you need in order to go back to your doctor, does that the hospital give that to the patient before they leave? take this with you so when the police stops you, you can show them? Or do you print it yourself at the home? Usually we print. Uh, in the past, we were confident for printing everything. But now, with this big crisis, everything is moving more and more to a web-based uh, certification. We try to give them the possibility to stay at home as much as possible so they can get a web-based certificate. They can give also, yes, a certificate and the 
exit of the consultation of the discharge paper on a web-based format, on an electronic format, in order also for the pharmacy to get the, the drugs to reduce as much as possible the contacts among the patient. And there is a huge development from this point of view. And we are trying to reduce again as much as possible, even for the old patient, the rehabilitation period in order to reduce the risk of, first, the risk of contamination getting the virus. And second, to leave as much resources as possible, including the ones that we used for elective surgeries before, as I mentioned, for the COVID epidemic situation that we are facing. So the telehealth industry in Italy is not very well developed. I think you would agree. Yes. Do you think this is going to be a strong driver to implementing some of these technologies? Even the pharmaceutical connectivity sounds like you are developing new ways to connect the pharmacies to the hospitals that may not have been Absolutely, absolutely. You are touching a very, very important point. Starting from medical education to follow-up of patients to how to manage their problems after discharge, we are moving strongly. And due to high forces that are happening in this direction, we're just developing a starting a project in my department now for teleassistance for primary hips. We develop with a company to follow up this patient after their discharge. This is not common in Italy, but we developed a very good program with, you know, we have some parameters, including a temperature, a picture of the wound, level of activity, swelling of the thigh, how many walk you do every day. We identify several blood pressure, several parameters for the patient with the fast track protocol that for us means not discharge the same day, but the day after or the day after again for following this patient. We are just starting this process. Now we are moving more and more to this direction, including consultation in a private setting. I just met colleagues from another big hospital. They are endocrinologists. They already started this platform of consultation where you can put on your medical report. You can put on the video on your health situation. You can put on images of for your x-rays, MRI, whatever, and then get a certificate with a medical report about this consultation. This is, at, at the moment, it's private in Italy. But I think that we have now a big pressure to move in this direction. So it's, I think people need to understand that in Italy, there is a very strong centralized healthcare system, but there's also a very strong private system yes, uh, where people is, can go and get, uh, yes. and get this private. And what you're describing is a virtual platform that enables this uh, type of care, yeah, which sure. is self-pay and private pay. And it's quite normal in Italy. It would be, it's quite unusual in the United States here for people to go get independent opinions and pay cash. It's very, in very Italy, is something completely new, but it, it's moving. What is very yeah. common in Italy, especially in the north, for example, we have a lot of patients coming from the south of Italy to be operated and treated in the north, especially in the big hospital. Mine is an example, but of course, there are many others. Orthopedic centers, big centers, where they, they do big numbers of joint replacement, for example, or other more complex cases on revision of the of some. And now we have this big problem. I operated a lot of these patients in the last, for example, three months. Now they are in Sicily, in Puglia, in Naples, 
in the south of Italy and they cannot come for any consultation. They cannot come or have any consultation locally. So now we have the problem that we have everyday connection with them by normal emails, by WhatsApp and whatever. But we need to develop uh, clear and dedicated platforms. We are working on this because in Italy it's not developed enough. Yeah. And is, are you seeing much push from the government at this point? Or are they just in, not at that point in the... I think, Stefano, to be honest, they are not yet at this point because now the government, the national and the regional authorities are all under pressure for this emergency. But at the end of this emergency, nothing will be the same, including doctors, relations with patients, and including the way of communicating from an educational point of view, I think, again, but with doctors, among doctors, among the professional community, but even with the patient. Their need of follow-up, their need of suggestion when they are at home, and so on. This is a clear way that we need. We are communicating by web-based system now. Yeah. yeah. And we need to improve and do the same with our patient without forgiving that they need some contact. They need what, especially in Italy, they want is a doctor. They rely on this doctor. They want to have good connection with him. They want some personal contact. It's just a matter of tool to have the good tool for a personal contact. Creating digital health platforms that will enable human touch to come through the technologies uh, is something sure. a lot of people are working on. So I think it's been a really insightful conversation. It's remarkable you've gone from doing some 4,000 orthopedic cases a, a year to none. You've had your orthopedic hospital turn into a primary care hospital, essentially managing COVID patients in large part. You've taken the measures of separating COVID patients and non-COVID patients from a surgical perspective. There's those the surgical rooms dedicated to COVID patients and surgical units dedicated to non-COVID patients to keep them apart. You've had to create a certificate system for people to be allowed to travel from home to the hospital. And you created an emergency triage agreement, sounds like, amongst the various hospitals as to what facility would do what kind of orthopedic care, oncology, fracture trauma, et cetera. And you've actually come up with a list of operations that will go on regardless of COVID, which included oncology, hip fractures, tendon tears, hip dislocations, severe AVN and infection, sounds like the, the list so, Luigi, thank you so much for taking the time to share that information you, with us. And will we be able to uh, get back to you maybe in a few weeks and see how things are going? Okay. I thank you. I, honestly, Stefano, I will say to our community, I hope that your countries will not face what we are facing now. I hope that your restriction and what you are doing in your countries will help you to avoid this. I hope so, at least. And again, this is a big, big challenge now, even for me now. I can treat some patients, but I know that in this situation, they are all at risk if I treat. So we have to balance our indication in this situation of real emergency. Luigi, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we wish Thanks you and your family and your, and your team safety and wellness. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I'm Dr. Stefano Bini. If you have comments or feedback or ideas for future podcasts, please contact me at stefano at docsf.health. S-T-E-F-A-N-O at docsf.health. D-O-C-S-F dot health. And while you're at it, you can check out the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco 
and all the content we have on that website. I wish each of you, your families and coworkers, a safe transition through this epidemic. Hopefully the information you heard today will give you both a greater appreciation for the challenges posed by the coronavirus and ideas for how to combat it. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and post about it on social media. If the man is there, more stories will be forthcoming. And if you're on the front line delivering care, thank you very much. See you on the next episode.